Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. We have a schedule for the Colts in 2023. That'll be the bulk of today's Kevin's Corner. Welcome back. Kevin Bowen and Eddie Garrison with you here. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the schedule release, Eddie. Always a fan of it. Nice to put dates and times and, I guess, honestly, just tell your friends and family Sundays at 1 o'clock. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the name of the game here with this schedule. But we'll go over it today, some takeaways from it. Twitter questions as well. Um, as we lead off this pop quiz, we just had a little bit of breaking news, I guess, before the quiz started. That would be Matt Ryan in the broadcast booth coming up for CBS Sports as an analyst. Uh, he did say in his post, though, he will not. it is not a retirement post. Um, I can't think of too many people that have gone into the booth and then gotten out of the booth and become a player again. So I guess I'll believe that when I see it. But, Eddie, like we kind of thought would happen this entire offseason, um, Matt Ryan will wait for the Colts to cut him because he wants some of that money. Mm-hmm. And so, as you said, the Colts are going to pay him to broadcast potentially one of their games. Yep, that's why I told you before we started the pod. And one of the best things I like about schedule release or and everything that comes with it are the ways that the teams announce their schedules. Oh, how about the Titans? I see. I'm not. I wasn't that big on it. Like, oh, really? I was dying. See, like after Maddie the fourth, after like the fourth or fifth team, I'm like, okay, this is old. Like, yeah, I um, boy, that's get off, get off my lawn, but I, yeah, I know. I just Eddie Garrison. Yeah, I just don't. Uh, I just don't like that for like extended period of time. Chargers was really good. Um, again, I am a fan of someone that has been to Broadway and and seen the scene that can be there. Boy, um, it had me laughing at the Titans one quite a bit. I thought the Colts did a really nice job, creative, um, with the food and Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner. So I know it is a big deal for those NFL social media teams and. Certainly some teams have more money than others or more connections than others. I guess you could put that in there. Did you see Jacksonville's? As well. Ah, I did not. That was one that, though, I saw. It got some nice... Um, so they did an eight-minute, like, uh, office type of video, I want to say, where it's, like, behind the scenes, and, like, they had this guy be, like, the head writer who was writing the script for every game of the Jaguars to kind of play off of the, you know, the narrative last year that the NFL was scripted. Got it, got it, got it. So got they it. do like, like this inside thing on with all the players involved. They're like, oh, these guys are not players. They're actors playing as players. So Marvin Jones is an actor playing as Marvin Jones, et cetera, et cetera. Got it. Um, that's interesting. I um, I like the Jets one. They had like the um, the map dude who's like crazy with the maps. And I didn't see like that one. Immediately plug in exactly where their various games were. So. A lot to get to on today's pod. Again, pretty much schedule-related. As far as the Colts, we are in, I'm pretty sure, Eddie, is the last week of Phase 2. Rookies back in the building. Um, so it's the first time, I guess, rookies and vets together. And then starting next week is when we'll get into OTAs. If I'm not mistaken, it's three OTA sessions next week, three the following week, four that first week of June, the first full week of June, and then that three-day mini camp, the 12th, 13th, and 14th. Uh, excuse me, 13th, 14th, and 15th as I look at the calendar. I believe, yeah, I guess the OTA starting next week, I mean, that's your first 11-on-11 11 11 session. 
of the offseason. Again, no full pads, but you'll get 10 of those sessions plus the three-day mini camp. So starting next week, over that four-week period, you'll have 13 different practices from an 11-on-11 standpoint for the Colts here. And obviously, the rookies blend in with the veterans for all of that. So the offseason program really picks up. Now, with rookies and vets in the building for a week, and then you get onto the on-field stuff, our media availability typically has just been one day a week. The mini camp, I think we get to watch the whole thing. Um, so we'll probably cater to the podcast more to recapping whatever that OTA is uh, that given week. So for next week, I would expect something mid to late week from a podcast standpoint. Sounds good. We got Josh Downs coming up, right? We do. Thank you for that. Uh, Josh Downs, that interview we will play on this podcast coming up here in a little bit. Um, we had him on the Friday morning of Rookie Minicamp, so mm-hmm. it's a little bit delayed, but that was the first time I think he had told anybody about the, yeah, through with Anthony Richardson last night in the parking lot. I will be honest, I didn't realize it would blow up to the magnitude that it blew up, mm-hmm. um, but the Downs personality, I think you like. You know, when you're a smaller wideout, you got to have a little bit of and wideouts in general, they don't need. I was about to say wide receivers, yeah. Any any sort of kind of public persona injection into them, <laughs> but Downs definitely has some of that. It comes from a family of NFLers. His uncle's Dre Bly. His father played in the league, so um, big fan of his, and was really impressed by what he then showed later that day at at rookie minicamp there. So you ready to dive into the schedule? I am. Yes, I am. All right, so in preseason, I'm just kidding. We won't go there. Well, I, I, if you don't mind, can we start with the preseason? Oh, yeah, they do have a primetime game in there. That's the primetimer, baby. Um, Thursday night, what is it, the 24th? Yeah, it's Olivia's birthday. Look, well, Olivia, sorry, we're going to have to postpone things to uh, to Friday the 25th. <laughs> um, that I don't is, know if she'll be happy with that. That's your prime video against the Eagles in Philly. I do think it's interesting to look at the preseason schedule for a couple of reasons. One, you get a little bit of a gauge on when training camp could start. Typically, the CBA, I think, is said 15 days before your first preseason game. So the first preseason game is at Buffalo. Weren't they at Buffalo last year for the preseason? Or was that two years ago? I felt like it was always Cincinnati in there, too. Oh, since it was usually that, that, that final game. So August 12th is their first preseason game. Yes, at Buffalo last year. So if you go back 15 days from that, Eddie, look for July 26th, 27th, report day, first practice, kind of right in there if you're trying to get a little bit of a Grand Park schedule. And then week two, their only home preseason game is August 19th. That's a Saturday night at 7 o'clock. And based off some of the reporting from the Chicago crew, it looks like the Colts are going to welcome the Chicago Bears here for joint practices. Now, obviously, you have the Matty Berflus connection. Ryan Pace and Chris Ballard both worked in Kansas City. A lot of this checks. I mean, it was all kind of the connections of the Colts possibly trading up for the number one pick. Uh, I think it'll be fun to watch Justin Fields. You know, I mean, that's it's a nice you know young QB that obviously has some connections here, Big Ten wise and potentially draft wise. If I were to guess, and again, I'm guessing with this, the 19th is a Saturday. That's your preseason game with the Bears. So that Wednesday, Thursday would be your joint practices. Friday. You know, don't practice before a game. So I would say the 16th and 17th would be the days at Grand Park for that. Again, this is me just kind of going off of past history with this, but looks like joining practice will continue. And boy, kudos to the Colts for having Grand Park, man. Right. They host teams every year there. Mm-hmm. They never go off-site for their training camp joint sessions there. So Panthers and Ravens and Browns and Lions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of everything. So that's what the preseason schedule looks like. So 
I guess, Eddie, I know you weren't trying to do that. You're <laughs> a little bit tongue-in-cheek to do that, but yeah. um, I do think there is a little bit of news item with that with that schedule. think there's any chance that they could also do joint practices with the Eagles? So I thought about that. The issue there is how close those two games are together. You know, I guess you could do like a Monday-Tuesday joint practice, but you know, it's a Thursday night game. That's true. Um, now, I am interested, too, when you think this, Eddie. You play Saturday the nineteenth, right? Yeah. And you come around and you play Saturday, or excuse me, Thursday the twenty fourth. So those are two games in five days. You know, would you have hesitancy to how much you play your starters in one or two of those games? How do you treat Anthony Richardson in the preseason? How do you treat him if he's your Week One starter? I mean, there's a lot of questions with the Colts here preseason related. Since they've changed this preseason schedule from four to three games. I've always been a big fan of treating the Week 3 preseason game as a major dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. I don't view that like final preseason game means final dress rehearsal for the, or I should say final opportunity for the back end of the roster, guys. I don't have that line of thinking. You play what? The 24th of August? And then this September 10th, so you've got like two weeks. More than two weeks. Two and a half, yeah. I mean, two and a half weeks before you play an actual football game there. So I'm good with playing your starters a bit more in that game. Um, so th- those are kind of my thoughts on it. Um, okay, so should we just go a little kind of takeaways generally through the schedule? Yeah, yeah. The one note I was going to say is, in regards to your question about starters playing time, I would expect you probably do as well. Less starters playing against the Bears since they have the joint practices earlier in the week. That is would be my assumption. That's typically how those things unfold. Now, again, we've it's a new head coach in town. It's a, not awkward, but it's a unusual quarterback situation. So how you handle all of that will obviously be something to continue to monitor. All right, first storyline uh, that we probably should hit on: no primetime games. Yeah, one of four, right? Falcons, Cardinals, and Texans. Texans. Um, you know, I'm not totally stunned. I thought they could maybe squeeze into a Thursday nighter. Um, I thought that Carolina game. Would yeah. be a Thursday nighter for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Frank Reich versus his old team. And that is the one four o'clocker that they have all season. So obviously it's viewed in some sort of a TV. Uh, oh, yeah, that game does kind of matter to us. It's a 4.05. So that game in London, you're only on one o'clockers. All, or London, Frankfurt. I guess we haven't talked about the game in Germany. Um, let's talk about that maybe at the end okay. uh, of schedule thoughts. You know, Eddie, uh, when I saw the no prime time first, I thought this is... This is the NFL decision makers within Amazon saying, you're grounded. You made our audience <laughs> watch you guys play the Broncos, so mm-hmm. you're grounded. Now, I know the Broncos are on TV a lot more national primetime than the Colts are, but you know, I think there's an element of, of you have to earn it. I mean, Eddie, I have been on this podcast several times, several years in a row, post-schedule release, and I have, and I think rightfully so, carried the Colts' water for... This is absolute bull that they do not have more home primetime games. I've thought it's been such a joke that the NFL has ignored them over the years. Because this dates back to like 2015, 2016, Andrew Luck years, where they haven't been slotted for the prime home games. And it, it was such a just an anomaly based off the rest of the NFL, how they were treated. I get it. I mean, throwing them into the Texans, Cardinals, Falcons, the Commanders got one. That's kind of the group the Colts are in right now, especially because you have the awkward quarterback situation. You know, CJ Stroud's probably more of a slam dunk to start 17 games than Richardson is. So I understand it from that standpoint. 
Um, I absolutely love the opener. I absolutely love it. It's home to Jacksonville, and I love it for several reasons. One, no one will give you a chance to win that game. Two, the day a Jacksonville fan shows up to a road NFL game will be the first time ever that the Jaguars fan base has been, you know, whatever, passionate enough to show up to a road game. So it's not like you're going to have road fans in there. You have the natural energy of just the opener. There's always that energy, particularly I think when you have a new head coach and maybe a rookie starter or quarterback. And at home. And at home. And maybe this is me thinking too deep into it, Eddie, but the fact that you have Jim Bob Cooter, who just came from Jacksonville, I think is even more reason to play Anthony Richardson early. And he's going to know Jacksonville really, really well. And I think he could prepare Richardson well for that sort of opener and and what Jacksonville does because you know certainly Jacksonville's got a good defense. Uh, so for all those reasons, I am a huge huge fan of it. Yes, nine straight seasons without winning an opener. We know all the stats and all of that and um, funky things happen in openers. I mean, look at what Minshew did to you a few years ago. That was the only game Jacksonville won all year, right? That one in fifteen season for the Jags. Mm-hmm. Um, so this to me just kind of further emphasizes why I would like to see Anthony Richardson in Week One. So um, I like the opener. Uh, again, it's very front loaded from an AFC South standpoint. What four of your first six? Yep. Um, two in a row to start the year at at Houston there in Week Two. It's just fascinating how they scheduled like the rest of the teams in the AFC South because like if you look at Tennessee's for example. The only AFC South matchup they have in the first nine weeks of the schedule is against the Colts. Interesting. I, I hadn't looked that that deep into it. I thought they were supposed to kind of backload more divisional games. I thought they were, too. I think this is one of the easiest road schedules I've ever seen. You have nine at home, obviously. You were supposed to have eight on the road. You've taken Foxborough, which is a top-five NFL road atmosphere, yep. especially with a rookie quarterback. And you've moved that to a 48,000-seat stadium nine time zones away. Yeah. So that is a win. You don't play in Arrowhead. You don't play in Seattle. You don't play in the Superdome. You, you got to play, play in the in jungle. Pittsburgh. You do play in the jungle with that fight song. You don't play in Lambeau. You don't play in Minneapolis. I mean, I think Buffalo's a good road environment. I mean, yes, you're at Cincinnati, to your point, Eddie, and you're at Baltimore. But outside of that, read off these road atmospheres. Carolina? Atlanta in the three divisional games. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the it's one of the weakest quarterback slates in your own building. Last year, Mahomes, Herbert, and Hurts all in your own building. Yeah. This year, your best quarterback is is it Trevor Lawrence week one? That is probably correct. Is it a resurrected Matthew Stafford? If he's playing. Or Deshaun Watson. Watson, Derek Carr. You know, I it, Again, it's not like the slam dunk MVP type QBs that you had last year with Mahomes, of course. And then, you know, I, I think Hurts cl- clearly was could have won it had he not gotten hurt. And, and, you know, Herbert, I think, is better than any of the QBs you would see this season. It is interesting to note just one home game in November. Um, you do have the Frankfurt game and you've got the bye week after that. Um, but, yeah, it's overall, it's just a really tame schedule like what's the hardest stretch eddie well what's the hardest three to four game stretch i'd probably say to start the year okay i i i can see that so go ahead and read that off jacksonville home at houston at baltimore home versus the rams i was going to go that early december 
at Titans, at Bengals, and Steelers at home. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit of like a stigma with what the Steelers are. But yeah, I just I I think it's a really really tame schedule. It's the fourth easiest schedule. Right, based off last year's records, again, the only two teams that you face that had a double-digit win season last year, the two road games of Cincinnati and Baltimore. I've also looked at and thought to myself, Eddie, it's got an interesting, you know, young QB, rookie QB flavor to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's possible you face five rookie quarterbacks. I should say five games against rookie quarterbacks. It's possible you will have seven games against a rookie or f- second-year QBs. Think about that. Seven of your 17 games against that age group, if you want to label it like that. So if you look at the schedule, week two, C.J. Stroud. We'll see about week five with Will Levis. And then the rest of your young QBs are in the second half of the season. So you would think the rookies would definitely be playing by by that point. Bryce Young in week nine, Will Levis in 13, and then you have the back-to-back Second-year guys and Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter, 15 and 16, and then close out the year with C.J. Stroud again. I thought a big takeaway for me personally was being able to start the year at home and book in the season at home, too. Yeah, divisional to start, divisional to end it. Mm-hmm. Second year in a row, Colts-Texans to end the year. Will they be playing for the number one pick again? Or I shouldn't say the number one pick. I guess in Houston's case they were. Although Houston will not be having the number one pick, right? Mm-hmm. Is Arizona going to draft one and two? Oh, man, I have no idea. you imagine? Do you think Houston will be that bad again? I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's hard for them to be that bad with how light their schedule is going to be as well because they play the same opponents as the Colts. Yeah. Other than Baltimore and... Uh, no, they play Baltimore. Other than Vegas. Yeah, New England. and then yeah, New England and Vegas based off the divisional line, and then they won't play the Rams. They'll play the whoever finished. They'll play Arizona, right? Uh, yeah, last in yeah. the NFC West. Um, okay, anything else schedule related? Again, overall, I think it's just I think it's really really tame. Frankfurt, Germany. Yeah, let's talk Frankfurt. Well, we had a caller call into our show early Thursday morning when this was announced. Thursday or Wednesday? Or I forget which day it was announced. And I uh, lived in Frankfurt for seven years and said, it's compared to, this is the two cities that he said it compared to, New York City with Calgary weather. Interesting. It, if you look at like weather, you know, November weather in Frankfurt, Germany, it does look like Foxborough, <laughs> which just sounds like hell. So it's going to be cold and it's potentially going to be overcast and potentially going to have some precipitation in the forecast. Um I, I'm such a big fan of the international games. I think it's awesome. Um, particularly if you're a Colts fan, you don't have to play in Foxborough. And your team gets like a standalone. It's it's a 930-ish game. It's something different. And I think from an energy standpoint, for those that will go over there, it will be the second ever NFL game in Frankfurt. The first one will be the previous week, Dolphins-Chiefs. I think you'll have like new energy and the excitement that's just naturally there based off the NFL is not typically in this market. You know, last year they were in Munich. They weren't even in Frankfurt. And for those unfamiliar with Germany geography, Munich is like four hours away from Frankfurt. So it's not like they're very close. You know, I was fortunate to go to the game in London in 2016. You know, at that point, Eddie, the NFL had been in London and played all their games at Wembley for about a decade. But Mm -hmm. yet I still found like just 
authentic energy. The Fan Fest event was awesome on Regent Street on Friday. It was really cool. Um, I enjoyed the experience big time. Wembley was an awesome stadium. You know, this stadium is not bad. It's 48,000, which is very small mm-hmm. for NFL standards. I mean, hell, it's small for a lot of college football standards. Um, you do, I guess, miss out on Oktoberfest a little bit if you're trying to oh, venture yeah. over there. Um, but I've been talking with some people that either have lived in Frankfurt or have actually been trading texts. And I know, Eddie, you know uh, Reese Horn, who played at the University uh-huh. of Indianapolis. Uh-huh. Great player. Actually had a cup of coffee. With Miami. I was going to say Miami, Cincinnati, I think last year, maybe briefly Tennessee. He's had a couple of different... Um, Practice squad stops, yeah. Yeah, tryout stuff. Played in, uh, stuff. I think he played in the XFL, too. Played in the XFL, and he plays for Frankfurt yeah. now. And so just texting with him and said, loves the city. So there's a good amount of Americans. Um, there's a couple Army bases, I think about an hour outside. So he, he feels like it's kind of a melting pot. And compared it a little bit more to, like, indie affordability, but a Chicago feel in just a little bit of the different pockets of the city. Um, it's not a, the, the biggest city in the world. I would guess, obviously, there's going to be a good amount of Patriots fans. Duh. I mean, the Patriots have been the gold standard of the NFL for the past two decades. Naturally, you're going to have people <laughs> gravitate towards the Patriots. I also would think there'd be a good amount of Colts fans, Eddie, for a couple of reasons. Bjorn Werner mm-hmm. would be one. Um, two would be, you know, Oliver Luck used to be the GM of the Frankfurt Galaxy. Andrew Luck's favorite player growing up was like the Frankfurt Galaxy star wideout. So I think when Luck got drafted and or dating back to the Oliver Luck days, you would have some of that World League presence over there. Maybe on next week, we, we had Bjorn, or not Bjorn, Werner, uh, we had Bernard Ryman. Bernie. On our show. He was awesome, just so genuine. Uh, we could maybe throw that interview into the podcast, but um, he grew up, he said, about eight hours from Frankfurt, so he's really looking forward to having his family over there. His dad came over for the Washington game last year, but with COVID and just how expensive it is, his parents have really haven't seen him play since he said he played for the Vienna Vikings in the Austrian uh, national championship years ago. He was a wideout, he said back then. So I was about then. to say like 150 pounds ago or something like yeah, that? it probably is with him gaining another 15 or so. Side note, I think you can make a strong case Bernard Ryman's the most important cult this season. That'll be interesting when we get to that here in a couple of weeks before the season starts on who are the most indispensable Colts. Like that's the list you make, right? That's yeah, yeah. the phrasing yeah. you use. And I think Ryman could be really, really high on that list. Um, but yeah, I just... You're taking the hardest road atmosphere and you're removing it from the schedule and you play a neutral site game at 9.30 in the morning and it's not a home game. I understand it's a 48,000-seat stadium and coming by tickets are going to be much more difficult than it was for Wembley. Uh, If I remember correctly with Wembley, the Colts got 1,000 tickets to use and then they could sell 1,000 to their fan base. It sounds like that number is going to be very, very small this, this time around. So that is a bit of a bummer. Uh, so Jim Mercy is not going to be able to give away as much this year? I don't think to the magnitude that maybe he'll certainly be giving away things. And you know what? He'll probably have a concert over there knowing him. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan of it. Uh, Dolphins Chiefs, that's pretty darn good the week prior for them, by the way. I know. It's a good matinee. Really good. Really good one. Uh, we had a listener to our morning show mention that the reason why he felt like the NFL was in Frankfurt is Frankfurt is the financial district of Europe. So they were uh-huh. in Munich last year. Yeah. And that stadium was much bigger than this 48,000er. 
But this person's thought was, you know, they are there more for corporate reasons. You know, try to tap into some of the businesses, uh, which totally makes sense. Would get why the NFL would would want to do that. And some people believe that, like Germany has a little bit more of like growth potential with fan bases than London. You know, obviously soccer's big everywhere. Yeah, but you have a little bit more of curiosity about American football. I think the World League's been a little bit bigger in that part um, of the country. Obviously, a storyline to see is when will the Colts leave for Frankfurt? You know, they play at Carolina the week prior. I don't want to act like the Carolina, I don't know, maybe the Carolina-Frankfurt flight is much, much um, closer. I, I can't imagine it'd be more than like an hour, if that. Carolina's obviously much further south than Indianapolis would be. Uh, you know, Gus Bradley's been overseas a lot from his Jacksonville days, so i just just curious more than anything. I just asked him last week, hey, what did you prefer? Because I think teams have done two things, Eddie. They've either gone over Thursday night for the Sunday international game, or they leave right after their previous game on Sunday. The Colts went over Thursday night back in uh, 2016. Uh, your boy did not listen to the stay up all day Friday. Oh, no. I napped when I got to the hotel early Friday morning, and boy, was I fighting jet lag all day then Friday once I woke up. So the thought process is you sleep on the plane Thursday night, yep. six-hour flight, whatever it is. I just can't sleep on planes, man. Did you get to ride with the team? Because were you still with them at that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big old plane. Um, was it Virgin Airlines? Did Drake make it? I that's a good question. I don't know if Drake the doll. I would assume Coach Ursay was on a different plane. Um, I would guess Drake the doll. I don't know if Drake the dog was around. Then he might have. I don't know if I don't know Drake's parents or you know, <laughs> when they might have created young Drake. But um, that's a good question. But you have teams that go over Sunday. Now Gus Bradley said I prefer the Thursday. That's kind of so. It, it's two schools of thought. One, do you want to get the jet lag out of the way early in the week? Mm-hmm. But then you're over there all week. Or do you want to get through your Wednesday, Thursday days, which are your biggest practice days? Friday's kind of a walkthrough, a little bit more speedy than than a walkthrough. But basically, from a physical standpoint, you'd have everything done. And you just got to get adjusted to what it's like over there. But the biggest thing is you just got to sleep on that flight, which makes for a little bit of an earlier bedtime. You know, I think we left Indy around 6-ish mm-hmm. on that Thursday evening there so anything else man i mean what thursday or i was gonna say your your furthest trip stateside is what houston uh yeah nothing in the mountain time zone nothing in the western time zone no pacific time zone i should call it i don't see anything even in central time houston central oh that's right duh uh technically tennessee is right nashville are they yeah, because you always lose an hour coming home, and that drive's just miserable to begin with. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But no Atlanta, no Carolina. Jacksonville is Eastern. So, um, Baltimore and Cincy. Anything else Frankfurt-related, schedule-related? They don't have a time announced yet for Pittsburgh in Week 15 or Houston in Week 18. Yeah, those are the TBDers on that one there, so... Maybe there's a primetime game. I Maybe. had this last year, and this is more for our Indiana University fans, uh, but the Colts will play. Is it the Bucks, Eddie? That's the Sunday of Thanksgiving, Colts-Bucks? Yep, right after the bye week. Typically always play that Sunday at home of uh, of Thanksgiving week. They always play that Sunday game at home. IU plays, I believe, over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse against Harvard that evening. Last year, IU played Miami, Ohio. 
Uh, that was like a few hours after the Colts played the Eagles. So if you're an Indiana University basketball fan, you're looking to make a day of it downtown, Colts Bucks, and then slide over to watch IU play Harvard. All right, now that we've broken down the schedule, time to get into the rookie wide receiver conversation with Josh Downs. He joined you guys uh, on Kevin Query about 10 days ago. He did. This is Josh Downs. Again, just to remind everybody, our morning show, Kevin Query, Friday morning of rookie minicamp, the number third round pick, I should say the number 79 overall pick, Josh Downs. Josh, I know it's been brief. How's Indy treating you so far? Yes, sir. Good to be here. Um, got off the plane yesterday. Felt good to get back in Indianapolis since the combine, but um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. All right, let's let's uh, go back a week ago Friday. You're getting ready for round two and round three. Uh, judging by your reaction, um, I think you probably thought you'd be drafted a little bit earlier. But then your emotion once you got that call from the Colts. Chris Bauer called it one of the best draft calls he's ever received. How would you describe your feelings round two into round three and then once you got that call? Yeah, so I, I was a little upset um, that I didn't go earlier. Uh, so, yeah, it was a lot of motion early in the night. Um, thought I was going to go earlier from talks, like, just through the whole pre-draft. Um, but when they when I got the call, I just felt um, blessed. I felt ecstatic. I was very happy. And um, I knew that I had a great organization that believed in me. So, um, really, I was just – I was ready to put it all on the line for them right then and there. And uh, I'm ready to go to work today and however many years I'm here. Josh, a guy that will be coaching you, Reggie Wayne, is very high on you. I mean, he, he made – uh, no bones about that. I think he's a guy that probably pushed heavily for your draft. But Reggie Wayne, when he came out of the process, has talked about how Washington had told him, we're taking you. And then Washington comes up, and I, I can't remember, it was a receiver out of Clemson they took, and they passed on Reggie Wayne. I don't think he ever forgot that. Did you have teams that had told you or given you expectation that you would go before where you did? Uh, I mean, yeah, like my with my agent telling me stuff um, that he heard from teams and then just talking to teams in the process, um, I just felt like I was uh, going to be picked before a lot of the other guys that went before me. So um, same type of vibe, uh, and we talked about that already. So um, he went he went through a similar situation. He was uh, he said he was I think he was the fifth or sixth one taken, and I was like I was like eleventh or twelfth. So um, definitely similar situation um, coming in with a chip on the shoulder. So um, I didn't I don't no team owes to pick me, but um, I feel like I was better than a lot of guys they picked. So I'm just glad to show them. I think you can do both of what I'm about to mention. But Josh Downs, for you personally, which play call gets you more juiced or makes you more confident? A long ball trying to get behind a defense and utilizing your speed or utilizing your hands on a third and eight over the middle need and grind out to extend a drive play? I like both, uh, but I feel like when it's when it's third down and eight, fourth down and eight, and the and the coach is calling your number, I feel like that speaks volumes. I feel like um, they're putting trust in you uh, to get a fourth to third down because that's that's the difference between a, a turnover on downs or a punt. So I feel like um, when a coach puts his faith in you to get that first down for the team, um, I, I take pride in that. And I feel like I got to get open for my team. I got to make this catch and I got to keep the drive going. But I always love the home run ball too. So. Yeah, you bring up a fourth down play as a Notre Dame fan. I seem to recall a big touchdown you had on a fourth down this past fall against the Irish. Josh Downs, third-round pick of the Colts. He joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I want to go back to Reggie Wayne, if you don't mind, um, and just what that interaction was like at the Combine 
with him. What do you remember about what, what Reggie was saying to you on the field during your positional work? Uh, yeah, I just um, – I remember, the, well, TJ Huzmanzada, um, I was working with him during pre-draft, and um, he he's, he knows Reggie Wayne too because he's a great um, receiver as well. So he was just talking to him, telling me that he thinks he, – he was like, he thinks you're a real good player. And then I remember after the on-field session, um, TJ Huzmanzada went up to Coach Reggie Wayne and was like, who's the best receiver out there? And he pointed at me and said, no question. So um, after that, I did my pro day, and then I, uh, Coach Wayne wanted to um, have a Zoom with me, and he told me he told me I needed he needed me on his squad. So uh, from then on out, I knew he believed in me. Um, so when I got that call from um, Coach uh, Mr. Ballard, I knew it was time to go because Coach Reggie Wayne stood on that table for me. Um, he vouched for me, so now it's time to make him right. Now, obviously, Michael Pittman is the wearer of number 11 here in Indianapolis. Uh, have you given thought to a jersey number here at the next level? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to wear number one. Ooh. Any uh, reason behind that? I guess the similarity between 11 and 1, maybe? Um, well, I, like, I was going to switch my number my, going into my junior year, and I was thinking, like, 1 or 7, but then I just stuck with 11. So um, when I saw that 1 was available – because uh, Paris Campbell left, I just I jumped right on it and um, I said I'll be number one. So that, I feel like it's an honor. Uh, it, it's, it's a big opportunity, and uh, I had to take it. You know, one of the things I would think, Josh, that would be a challenge going from college to the NFL is simply separation, right? I mean, the window is so much shorter at the professional level, and I would imagine that some of that can be made up by the precision of route running. How does one go about becoming a precise route runner other than the obvious answer, which is just repetition? But what is it? What separates Jerry Rice from another receiver in making one an elite route runner? Uh, yeah. So I just say, like, first, you just got to have a lot of God-given talent, of course. Um, but then also, like you said, repetition and then just um, taking details that you see on film and bringing it to the field and then also just um, – working on your breaks each and every day, working on different movements, inside routes, hesitations, um, stutters, just things to throw off the DB, and then really just crafting. Um, so route running is its your job as a receiver besides catching the ball. So um, really there's the, the one thing that should be on your mind when you're running the route is get open, unless you're a decoy, and then it's get your teammate open. But um, I feel like route running is just um, its a natural thing and also just something you got to craft at each and every day to get better at. And um, yeah, you know when I was in um, St. Louis, Josh Downs is our guest, by the way, the Colts rookie wide receiver out of North Carolina. When I worked in St. Louis many moons ago, this shows Josh that I'm old. I covered your uncle Dre Bly, who was a really good corner out of North Carolina, and played had a good long career in the NFL. Two things I remember about him: number one, he never once—I've never seen him other than on a field wear shoes. He wore slides every single day, like constantly. So I don't even know if he owns shoes. But once he put the cleats on, he was a really good lockdown corner. And I'm curious, not knowing how close your relationship is with him, but having a father that played in the league, having an uncle that was a defensive guy in the league. Does that give you opportunity to talk to, in particular, your uncle about what the vantage point is from a corner and what they are expecting out of you as a receiver that gives you advantage then to be able to get into the mind of the defender? 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, my uncle, I've known him since before I was born, so me and him are very close. Um, he's really related to me, too. People always have that question, are y'all actually related? Like, yeah, he's actually my real uncle. But I'd say, um, yeah, helping me be a better receiver because he tells me the tells that DBs look for, that he looked for, um, like raising your pads or slowing down a little bit. And um, basically he just tells me stuff he sees in my routes, what I need to keep doing, keeping my pads up. Um, keep the same speed a lot of the times. Um, hesitations are good at times, but sometimes you just got to go. Um, so, yeah, having him, it's definitely helped me a lot um, just to kind of feel what a DB thinks because he was an all-pro corner. He went to the Pro Bowl, so uh, there's there's not really much more you can do besides get a gold jacket. So um, having him in my corner has definitely helped me um, on the college level. Uh, he, he, he's uh, he's corrected me a lot. He's, he's told me I was a good player, but um, he's always there to tell me what I can do to get better. So having him and my father – uh, it helps me a lot because they've been there and done it, and they've seen greats do it. Josh Downs wearing number one for the Colts rookie minicamp. First practice coming up a little bit later today. Uh, Josh, what do you know, or what did you know about Anthony Richardson, and what, what's been your first interaction with him like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I knew Anthony Richardson was a crazy athletic freak with a crazy arm. Um, so when I got the, when I got drafted by the Colts, he texted me right away. And um, he said he was ready to get to work. So, yeah, last night we went out in the parking lot. We just threw some, uh, just chopped it up for about 30 minutes, um, caught some balls from him, just got a feel of how his arm is. He got a, he got a real strong arm type spiral. So uh, I'm excited to get out there on the field with him tomorrow. I know he's a real hard worker, similar to me, and uh, I feel like we're going to make a good connection. Now, several people have said that your nickname, and I'm, maybe this was in college, Josh First Downs, I mean, that seems obvious, I kind of like Josh third downs because I like receivers that are third down where you know that like on like we talked about on a third and eight you're like we're good because we got Josh Downs right so if you had your pick would you rather be Josh first downs or Josh third downs? Uh, I leave that up to the to the fans I guess and y'all I, I don't really have a preference so uh, if, I, I ain't never thought about the third downs thing but no nah, I guess if you make a catch cool. on third down you're creating first downs so that yeah, would facts. lead to that right okay. mm-hmm. yeah, um, sure. by the way what happened to North Carolina basketball last year what, what was going on there Jeez. do we know See, I don't really know I mean um, I, I don't really know too much about that I watched them but I guess it was just a down year. Everybody has those times, but I, I got I got some friends on that team, so I, I can't say anything. I mean, bad about <clears throat> look, Carolina basketballs. I mean, they're great, right? I, yeah. I just, you know, around here, I think people can relate to it because Indiana kind of had the same thing. You know, there's mm-hmm. a, and then Purdue in the tournament. So, um, you know, you you know that you're coming to a place that has a reverence for college basketball like Carolina, but then the Colts have kind of taken that that torch, right? So there's a lot of expectation there. Do you feel that pressure when you come in? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I just feel like I just got to go go to work, um, be the best player I can be, um, and then just do whatever I'm meant to do. Um, don't feel much pressure at all. I mean, I feel like I'm going to put in the work every single day and then uh, it's going to take care of itself. Josh, last one. Um, last Friday, I remember I asked you about T.Y. Hilton on the Zoom. Obviously, just the connections there based off the franchise and, and size. Anybody you try to pattern your game after or anybody you, you really try to lock in and watch film of? Uh, yeah, I used to watch a lot of like um, like Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry when they was at LSU, and then even when they was early in the, earlier in their careers, and then um, watch a lot of Devontae Adams. Uh, I love how he plays, and then I watch. I mean, I've watched T.Y. Hilton, of course, too, and then um, Cooper Cup. Just really a, a lot of the greats, just to see what they do, um, see if it's similar to what I do, and then try to implement stuff from their game to mine. Josh, one last one for me. 
I'm, I'm fascinated by this because in life in general, very few of us, you know, very few people can relate to being a professional athlete. I mean, you're in the top half a percentile, right? But we all have jobs. We all have things that we do. We all have levels in life where we move from one area to the next. And privately, we have our fears and our insecurities when we do that. And we assume that athletes do not. Can you take me through one area that you are a little bit, I'm not going to say intimidated. I know the easy answer is no, I'm not, I'm confident. That's why I'm here. I get that. But is there one area that you look at it and it seems surreal to you or one area where there is a natural discomfort that you are looking forward to feeling comfortable about and overcoming? Uh, yeah, I would just say, um, shoot, just joining a new team, um, uh, joining a new team, being a professional athlete. Um, of course, that's that's scary to a lot of people, um, and a lot of people don't get that. But, yeah, they, they, everybody thinks it's a dream, and it is, but at the same time, it's a lot of expectations, and um, you got to handle that. you got to put in the work, and you got to go out there and perform. So I'd say just, just being a professional, um, being on a new team, moving to Indiana, um, it's a lot on it's a lot on my plate, but I, I'm I'm glad for it. I love uncomfortable situations, so I feel like um, you grow in those situations. So um, get to mature here, get to grow here, um, get to learn from a, a Hall of Fame receiver, a great receiver, and um, just be a better player. So I'm excited. Uh, it's quarterback rocket number five himself, rocket number one. Yesterday out on the parking lot at West 56th Street. Today it'll be on their practice field for the first time in an NFL setting josh downs with us josh great stuff man welcome to indy uh good luck and uh we'll be uh we'll be rooting for you yes sir i appreciate y'all have a good day whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you eddie how many catches for josh downs this year 17 games I'll go with 60, 70 in that range. That's a big number for a rookie. I just think there's a big way for him to impact right away. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. It is funny, you know, when you when you mention what 60, 70 catches, what what does that break down to? 4 a game? I mean, when you think about 4 a game, how doable does that sound? 3 you, and a half a game, yeah. You need Josh Downs to catch one ball every quarter. Like that seems that sounds just very very manageable and doable mm-hmm. with that. A lot of reasons to like Downs, and again, watch him at that rookie minicamp practice. There is just such a natural feel to how he plays the game. It just he just he's a step ahead of everybody, and as he should have been at the rookie minicamp. To be fair, he's easily the most accomplished. Frankly, he's the most accomplished draft pick. Nobody is on his level. I mean, even Juju Brent or Anthony Richardson. Richardson certainly not from a pure college production standpoint. Downs tops the list. Um, but, you know, Eddie, his strength is arguably Richardson's biggest weakness. Those shorter, intermediate throws. And if you look at who who they drafted and, like, Will Mallory and him, those pl- kind of players are probably to help Richardson in that short to intermediate passing game. Yeah, and I think Downs could have a pretty long career, you know, helping his guy out in those moments or, I guess, in that part of the field. So... Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, should we get into Twitter questions? Well, how many catches do you think you have Josh Downs at? And don't copy me now. I know. So what, 17 times 3 is 51? Yep. 17 times 4 is 68. So right in there would be a nice sweet spot. 
I like your uh, IU degree working over there. Yeah, thank you. Um, 61. Oh, you went specific, huh? Went 61. I went the range. catches for him. Um, but again, when you talk about it on a per-game, per-quarter basis, you can really talk pretty highly. <laughs> you uh-huh. know, you, the, the number can get high. Obviously, his durability and all of those things will matter, but caught a lot of balls in two years in North Carolina. Uh, mainly two years of playing, I should say. And and I would think punt returner help. We'll see how that divides up with Isaiah McKenzie and him, but certainly something where he can help you out. You ready for Twitter questions now? Let's do it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jason is up first. Looking back and yet knowing that the Colts would land Anthony Richardson, would you have made the deal to go to number one with a similar package as Carolina to get Bryce Young or stayed at four and take Anthony Richardson? Interesting. Um, you know, I was I, I was always kind of team Bryce. Um, you know, obviously, to Jason's point, it wouldn't have cost the same as moving from four to one as it would nine to one. And, you know, Carolina had that additional second from the Christian McCaffrey trade, which I always felt like kind of gave them more of a buffer to be like, because they sent them San Francisco's second, right? They they Carolina kept their own second. Yes. So they still had a high second rounder, um, which obviously really, really helps them out from a softening the blow standpoint. I I know Ursay said that they would have taken Richardson one. I don't know if I believe him, to be honest with you. I know, because, you know, he said that Alabama kid looks pretty good. Yeah, and again, I think it's it's more than just, you know, Ursay that I think there was a lot of people that like Bryce Young. Yes. Within that organization there. So um what that exact trade package from four to one would have looked like you know, a future first and your second. So basically you'd be looking at no Juju Brents and no first round pick next year. You know, when you put it in those terms, I guarantee you if you did a poll of this to Colts fans, I would say the overwhelming majority would rather have Richardson, Brents, and the first rounder next year. I would agree. Um, I don't know if I... I, I'm not in that, like, stamp at 1,000%. I'm in that pool. I know there's reasons to be skeptical on my side of it, so I I, I fully get that. Um, I I really like Bryce Young. Really like him. And, And you can look at it probably one of two ways, Eddie. The Darius Leonard trade always turned into look at what the Colts got for Leonard. You know, it was the five things and moving back from three to six. Yeah, and, and, and what they got with all those guys, and then you you have reverses of it. Like, look at what Buffalo paid to get Josh Allen. Well, mm-hmm. no one gives a shit. You know, they got Josh Allen, and mm-hmm. same thing with Kansas City, going from twenty seven to to ten. And obviously, if you're Arizona and you took Josh Rosen three picks out of after Josh Allen. That stings a whole lot on you. Oh, yeah. So if you're obviously Colts fans in this situation, you hope that Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, is not Josh Rosen, Josh Allen. Yeah, and what, Chicago training up to draft Mitchell Trubisky and right. passing on Mahomes and uh, Deshaun Watson. Watson. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the schedule. This is from Jeremy. Which game would the Colts have had the highest chance of being flexed into a primetime game? My guess is the Colts and the Bengals. I would think that was my first. Now, the only question I had was, do we still have the rule about how many primetime games you, you can have? Six. And I assume the Bengals have got to be close to already having five. Them. Yeah. So, 
That would be a question. I think that it's I five, maybe four. It might be four. I mean, I am totally reaching for the moon here, okay? What if the Atlanta Falcons are in an NFC South position late in the year and the Colts are in an AFC South position late in the year? Again, very unlikely, but that was one that I had. I I don't know if Kenny Pickett would, would be a draw late in the year for them to be flexed, but yes, Jeremy, I would say Bengals, but... Yeah, I'm not holding my breath on any of them. Because so, it's one of those things, Eddie, you get so in tune to like your own schedule and flexing games, you forget to look at like the other games that week, and there's usually quite a lot. that. And if you had to flex the game out from that night, it would be New England at Denver. Hmm. Well, I mean, I don't... I probably would not have either of those teams as playoff teams right now, but... Because that's Christmas weekend... Or I can't even really say weekend because Christmas is on Monday, so they have the three games. Colts play the Falcons on Christmas Eve, right? Yes. Which is a Sunday? Yes. Yeah. My only hesitancy with Cincinnati is like the expectation for the Colts is to not be good, and Cincinnati's expectation is to be really good. So I don't know if they would feel like it would be a fun matchup for one particular side of this, considering the dominance of the Mingles at home. Yeah. Underneath Joe Burrow. That, that That is a good point. Tyler's Twitter question is next. What percentage chance would you put on Anthony Richardson starting week one? Some may say we sh- would damage his potential by putting him in too early, but I really feel like he needs exposure even if his first season has more lows than highs. Also, congratulations on episode 400. Looking forward to 100 more. Look at that. Thank you for that. Can you imagine 100 more? Sometimes I can't even imagine one more. <laughs> well, was that a shot at me? No, it was a shot at me. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say I like it, it's kind of impossible for me to give a confident answer right now. I'd probably lean like 60-40 that he does. Um, and again, some might say, you know, he damages his potential by putting him out there too early. I really feel he needs the exposure. Like we're in this market, so again, Eddie, it's easy for us to make the Pacers comparisons, but just look at where you are at right now with the Indiana Pacers. Like, for me, if you are a Colts fan and you want to check boxes for this coming season, you want... Well, I guess let's just start with the Pacers and the boxes that they checked. The young guys developed. Check. They lost more than they won, which means they have a top 10 pick. We'll see how high it is tomorrow night with the lottery. Check. They still have some future assets. I mean, they've got five picks, four picks potentially in the top 35 mm-hmm. this year. They just had one of their worst records. And you know what? In this market, the Pacers have not given their fan base enough benefit of the doubt over the last 20 years just because you have, you still have some people. It's not an overwhelming amount at all, and I disagree with some of this. But you do have some people that are like, I hate the brawl. Or... Oh, the Pacers will get good and the, and and, uh, and their stars will just leave. Or you just have people that aren't as big NBA fans as they are NFL fans. So the Pacers have those things going against them. Yet, Eddie, if you talk to any Pacer fan, or really any sports fan in this market, over the last month, two months, I cannot tell you how overwhelmingly consistent the praise is for this past season. When they won 35 games, which by Pacer standards 
is one of the worst seasons this franchise has had in 10 to 12 years. Yeah. So I think if you are the Colts, the best case scenario is to develop Richardson, get him out there as much as possible, but still be drafted in the top five or top ten. Yeah. I mean, that I, I know that that is a short-sighted view to it, but you've got to continue to add to this young core and build around Richardson. You know, the two quarterbacks you hear compared to Anthony Richardson the most, and part of this is a little Shane Steichen background, but to me, Eddie, it's Josh Allen and it's Jalen Hurts. You didn't see Josh Allen truly take off until Stephon Diggs. Yep. And you didn't see Jalen Hurts ascend to the MVP level until A.J. Brown. Yep. So you've got to, I think, keep that in mind as a Colts fan of like, yeah, it'd be great to try and win, but that's not going to get you to the end goal. Again, to me, the end goal as a fan base in the NFL is can you create, and I know a decade's a long time, so let's maybe trim it to six to eight years. Can you create a six to eight year run of annual trips to the postseason, some divisional wins, potentially a bye. Can you do that? Mm-hmm. In eight years, can you do that? Can you make the playoff six times? Can you win the division two out of those six, three out of those six, maybe be the one seed one of those six? And as we know, in the NFL, just get in the dance and see what happens. Oh, yeah. So for me, the best opportunity to do that, you still need another pretty high pick next year. And you need a hit on that high pick as well. Um, I know I've gotten into it before, but just look at the post-Manning drafts after they took Peyton, Edge, edge in 99, you know Wayne in 2000, uh, Freenino won, versus the post-Luck drafts. You know, I, I don't think the Bjorn, Werner, Philip Dorsett, I, I, who was the first pick in 14, Muhort, yeah. don't really roll off the tongue no. in the same manner. Granted, different spots of the draft, certainly, but... They didn't even make it to second contracts here in Indy of substantial lengths at all. So that's how I view this season. I think the interesting thing when you think about the wide receiver portion of this and how you mentioned Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs and Jalen Hurts got A.J. Brown is that neither of those teams had a player that was coming off of their rookie contract in the situation that the Colts currently are with Michael Pittman Jr., because they're going to have to pay him, and in order to get one of those top receivers, you're going to have to pay him as well. So the aspect of Chris Ballard paying top 15, 20 wide receiver money to not one but two guys, I think could be a little challenging. It's a really good point, and I guess where some, and I should have been clear on this, but some of where my thinking was is another top 10 pick, and you're literally getting Marvin Harrison Jr. and or... In all likelihood, there will be some wideout that comes out next year, not named Marvin Harrison Jr., that's worthy of a top 10 pick. Yep. So that would be the route to where then that guy's on the rookie deal. So then you are paying Pittman. Um, in a beautiful manner, you would have some point where it's Pittman, Pierce, Downs, and then that, that rookie wideout, and paying all of them is going to be a question. Like, I mean, that would be a dream. You know, you'd fall into a Cincinnati Bengals sort of scenario where they're at with yeah. the with that trio right now. We're obviously a long ways away from that, but I think that's the goal. So I guess to get back to what I was saying earlier, I don't know if you are in a position to necessarily trade for that type of guy. We'll see how the finances work out. But drafting one and growing with Richardson would, I think, be ideal. Colton. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Says he's super excited that the Colts drafted Anthony Richardson, but he says, to be honest, I'm kind of mad we didn't trade up to get him. What are the odds Houston trades back up to number three? I think we got very lucky, and what are your thoughts on it? <laughs> well, I think um, there is a lot of luck involved in the draft. I also want to credit Chris Ballard because I assume he had some sort of intel on this. I mean, we all watch the emotions on the With the Next Pick series. He uh-huh. I mean, he's nervous, as he should be, because you never truly know. But I don't know if he told Arizona, like, if a team is coming up for a quarterback, call us. Now, if you're Arizona, wouldn't you just lie <laughs> and say a team's coming it's up a for a quarterback? It's a recce GM. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how that process necessarily works. But I am torn on that a little bit, Colton, of like, man, if you really liked him, wouldn't you have traded up? But again, maybe you had this intel uh-huh. uh, w- with that. Um, because by all accounts, I mean, Seattle was a team that really wanted him. Tennessee was a team that really wanted Richardson. Like, I don't think Anthony Richardson, let's say the Colts traded back to where Arizona was. Arizona was at, um, I guess it would have been Arizona trading up. I mean, any team that, where would you have taken Levis, I guess is the question. Would you have waited until 35? Which you traded back from thirty five to forty four to take Brent's. Wasn't he taken before thirty five though? He was yeah, taken Tennessee. at like thirty three, right? Thirty four. Did Tennessee come up and get him before Brent's? I thought so. I thought for some reason Tennessee got him in between where the Colts traded back initially. I could be wrong there. Um, I'm trying to look it up right now. Thirty three. Yeah, yeah. Good call. So was that the second pick of the second round? Yes, because it was uh, Porter. And then I think it was Tennessee trading up to get. I, I forget if that will Miami forfeited blood into the second round. So mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's such a great, great question. I mean, I know Ursay said that we would have taken Levis at four. I, I again, I don't believe that more when I when I see it sort of thing. Uh, this question is from YouTube. I don't know if that's the actual name or if you got it from YouTube. <laughs> I think I think one of the commenters in YouTube, which we love our audience over there. I know. We got quite a bit. Congratulations, by the way. So uh, thank you to everyone. I know Kevin appreciates it. Yes. Our 400th episode, as we echoed last week, uh, draft-related content typically does well, but thank you to everybody that will continue to listen throughout the offseason. And as always, we are open to storylines. So if you guys want to, um, topic ideas, anything to throw in there, particularly in the months of June and July, we try to keep it fresh, but... Always a good time to get into some of that stuff. Uh, now that Frank is gone, are Chris Ballard and Jim Ursay haunted by not drafting Jalen Hurts and therefore hoping to grab a bigger, more athletic version of Jalen in AR5 to be the Colts franchise quarterback? Could this also be the real explanation why Shane Steichen was hired? Another level deeper, if Anthony Richardson fails, any chance we get Arch Manning? <laughs> oh, Arch. Is he going to redshirt? I don't know. Like he did not look good in the spring game. Yeah, Quinn uh, Quinn Ewers time, and then the other guy looked pretty good, right? The other uh, freshman, I forget his name. Yeah, good old Arch. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I just can't entertain Arch questions till I see him on a NFL or on a college football field before we go there. Agreed. You know, they hired Shane Steichen for two reasons. One, his quarterback background is what it is. We've talked about that. Rivers, in particular, Herbert. 
and Hurts. They also hired Shane Steichen because of their own quarterback issue. I mean, it's it, it's twofold. It's like you're looking to someone, you're looking to marry someone, and the previous person that you're married to is the worst communicator of all time, and the person that you're about to marry is the greatest communicator, one of the greatest communicators of all time. So I know it's a little bit of hyperbole to call Shane Steichen that with quarterbacks, but the Colts' biggest flaw. They went out there on the market and they found someone that had a resume that is the opposite of their biggest flaw. So I think, that, I mean, that just kind of perfect marriage. Jim Mercer said that, and it was the reason why you hire an offensive-minded head coach because you feel good about that guy obviously being here for a long, long time. And, you know, credit to Shane Steichen because I think he took it a step further with the coaching staff of, you know, Cam Turner having this experience with Cam Newton and Kyler Murray and you know, a couple of the guys from the Giants coaching staff and what they have done from an offensive mindset. You know, Jim Bob Cooter, I mean, working with Trevor Lawrence last season. Um, you know, Tom Manning, the tight end coach, comes from the college background and you know, he was the OC. I think we forget this. He was the OC for, for Brock Purdy. Obviously, Purdy's had some early success as well. So I think for all those reasons, um, that's why the Shane Steichen was higher and Steichen himself has done a nice job of making sure the trickle down within the offensive staff. Uh, has some of that background as well. I like your PBR hat, by the way. Thank you. Uh, a listener sent this. Kansas City Steve. I know our audience can't see it, uh, but I wore it on the morning show today. So I love I love the label. Yeah. Nice crisp look to it. Uh-huh. I didn't realize 1844. I want that hat that Chris Ballard was wearing and with the next pick. Yeah, Ballard has got some good wardrobe action. It's got like the I. It's like a badge, and it says I N D, and the like the, each letter, and then in the fourth quadrant, the bottom right of the of the badge, it's a Colts logo. I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah, that was a cool logo. We just got word uh, that Rosie bit one of her friends at daycare. Should oh. I look at that as um, potentially that's a good thing to show that she'll be aggressive on a sporting field, or is that too uh, <laughs> macho? Uh, dad like of me. You need to do some like investigative work to figure out all sides here. Like, was she at fault or? Uh, you know, the note reads: Rosie and a friend were fighting over a toy, and Rosie bit her friend. We reminded her that teeth are not for biting. I, probably just to clarify, biting other people. I mean, they are for biting. Yeah. You know, Tyson, unlike Tyson, there. Um, Rosie's not a biter. That's the, the, that's a bit surprising. She must have been uh, incredibly frustrated. Uh, Maddie did say she slept in a lot this morning, so maybe it's a little bit tired there. That's Ooh. a hell of a way to start the week. That, yeah. Quite the way to end, end the school year. Yeah, you're not going to sign my yearbook this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jake's Twitter question is next. Is it crazy to feel like the veteran guys have a new energy uh, because of the Anthony Richardson pick? I think that... Energy or rejuvenation, I should say. There is, without question, energy and rejuvenation within that locker room. Without question. Like, Eddie, Colts fans have felt it. We have talked about it endlessly on this podcast. Si, senor. Imagine, though, working for the company and feeling it. Like, they have been a part of it. I mean, it's their professional lives. It's largely how people associate them. Fairly or unfairly, it's just the nature of playing such a professional public sport like that. So, yeah, I mean, we're not talking about stupid individuals here. <laughs> I mean, they, they know full well what it means. They know how much that position gets paid. Um, yes, they get it. And, and whether they admit it or not, and I, frankly, I think a lot of them have admitted that. 
you know, they obviously probably aren't going to be like totally filled with truth serum when those questions come. But even when those questions have happened this offseason, they have mentioned that. That like, yeah, we need to stop the revolving door. Like, it, you know, it's nice to potentially have some stability here of, oh, yeah, that's a quarterback that can do some multiple things. That is very tough yeah. for, for us to defend. I mean, think about it this way, Eddie. If they start Minshew week one, let's just play it out. Richardson then starts 2024 week one. So from 2016 to 2025, you will, I should say 2024, from 2016 to 2024, you will not have had the same starting quarterback in week ones in consecutive seasons. Bonkers. You had luck in 15 and 16, so that that matched up. But then luck didn't start in 17, week, week one. That was Tolzien. Yep. Week oh, 18, God. luck came back. Thanks for that PTSD. Sorry. I, I was there. I mean, it was... You were in the, you were in the Coliseum? Utter, utterly unbelievable. I can picture the pick sixes. I feel like there were nine of them. And Todd Gurley rushing for like two or three touchdowns? Todd Gurley. I think it was Sean McVay's first game. Yeah? As a coach. So you go, what, luck to Tolzien to luck... Then to Bursette, then to Phil, then to Carson Wentz, then to Matt Ryan, then potentially Minshew and Richardson. Like, it's approaching an NFL record. It is. Do you know what the record I, is? I, I believe it's nine. What nine team? straight seasons. It's either the Bears or the Browns. Um, that oh, it's got to be Cleveland. You didn't have the same starting quarterback in consecutive seasons, which again, Eddie, all it takes is just you know one little breakup of hey, Derek Anderson was a Pro Bowler last year. He's going to start Week One the very next year. Like it doesn't take a long time, and we're yeah. we're talking about Week One here. You can bench him in Week Two. Um, it's got to stop. So, Jake, to your question, it's a terrific one. I honestly think take fans' thoughts on this and times it by a hundred which might seem really hard for fans. I really like it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This next question that we're ending the pod on, this is from Cameron. He would love to know more about David Thornton's role in practically what he does with players. He seems like a big role that never gets the spotlight. Oh, David Thornton. Family. He's always yelling it. Family, family, family. He is always yelling it. Guys love him. Um, It's a great question. I I will be honest. I don't fully know his role, but I would think some of it entails this, or I should say I know some of it entails this, but I'm sure it's much bigger. I would kind of look at it, Eddie, and say, like, he is your liaison to the other parts of the building. I'd say he's your first contact when it comes to asking for resources financially, real estate, family, uh, ticket request. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also a lot of people view him as like the first person that they come to in times of need. Um, he was there to greet Anthony off the plane, wasn't he, when he... He was. He was part of that. Um, I don't know if maybe this just happened based off where, you know, Sam Ellinger happened to be in the building, sadly, when he found out that his brother died. But I think David Thornton was one of the first people that, you know, um, talked with Sam. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he joined Frank Wright and Chris Bowd at the funeral um, for that. So I just think he is like that. 
He's like that dad, for lack of a better term. Or the really cool uncle or something really like that. Really cool uncle at times, but again, also a, a shoulder if you need to cry on, but certainly a good sounding board from, again, financially, community events, those sorts of things. I think he does a little bit of all of that. And they have an operations department that can help you out from a housing standpoint and other things. And, and you know, but I think Thornton's the guy you come to and then he kind of points you in a different direction. Okay, go here, go here. Those sorts of things. Kind of like the academic advisor almost. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. So very important guy. Really, really, really important guy. Um, I know part of me thought when some of the, you know, Carolina staff turnover was happening. You saw a lot of Colts people going to Carolina. I'm like, yeah. boy, Thornton would be one. I could see Frank Reich wanting. Um, I think Marcus Pollard, if I'm not mistaken, does it in Jacksonville. I think he's Jacksonville's director of player engagement, I believe is the exact title on it. So, um, yeah, very important dude. And obviously had a nice career here and had a nice NFL career in general. He's a North Carolina guy. I think that's why some of the Carolina thought, if those are curious of why, he potentially would have been mentioned there. Uh, anything else, Eddie? I don't think so. Go Reds. Go Reds. Yes, I'm wearing a red shirt today. The uh, three or four from Miami. Yes. Is that right. Might have been just two or three. Two I or can't... three and yeah. then a sweep of who was it earlier in the week? It was two or three of the Mets, right? Two or three of the Mets. So nice to win a couple series. Uh, it's rare. Uh, third best record, or th- uh, I don't know if it's still third, maybe fourth now, but in the last, uh, I think, three weeks, they yeah. have the third best record in the MLB. I like it. I like it. Momentum. See if we can keep, be, still be in it by Flag Day. That's the goal. Father's Day, maybe, still be in it by, and then we'll progress. We'll see if we can get to the end I mean, of the fact day. they're still in it on uh, May 15th is quite remarkable. Yes. Uh-huh. Something the Oakland Athletics cannot say <laughs> about that. So, looking at to next week, again, we'll get into some OTA viewing experiences. So, don't look for the Monday morning pod is what I'm getting at. Typically, it's like a Tuesday, Wednesday. It might even be later in the week. I'll have to double check what the schedule is on that front. But I know we've be- got a couple uh, interviews as well in the vault that we can... Pull yeah, out. we've got Pat's Fitzger- uh, Pat Fitzgerald still. Oh, I forgot about the Fitzgerald one. Should we do Fitzgerald or Ryman next week? Do we leave it up to the listeners to comment in the YouTube chat? Sure. Or in the YouTube section? Yeah, we either have Pat Fitzgerald on his two rookie uh, draft picks of the Colts, or we can go Bernard Ryman. Adi Tamiwa Adabare and Evan Hole. Look at you. How beautiful is that? I'm trying to look up the schedule here. Thir- so next week is a third. Man, Thursday, May 25th, Eddie. That's the OTA availability. Oof. So you we want to do late Thursday? Could you do that? Nothing like, you know, scheduling things on the freaking podcast. What do you think? Three o'clock next week? Have to be probably about three fifteen, yeah. Okay. All right. Gosh, and then the next week is a Friday? And then a Wednesday? Unbelievable. Um Yeah, riveting radio here to close out the podcast. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Kevin's Corner.